This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. A special shout-out to the second-year broadcasting students at the School of Media, Art, and Design in Oshawa and my talk radio program, my talk radio class. If you're listening, there will be bonus marks. And if you're not, then marks will be deducted. <laughs> Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. This is a program uh, for those of you who subscribe to the notion that there is more to reality than what we can see, hear, touch, smell, and taste. And this program is also for those of you who believe that, as Morpheus said in The Matrix, the world is being pulled over our eyes to blind us from the truth. Uh, Come on in and set a spell. You have found us and you are among friends. My little studio here in Liberty Village is very busy. We've got company. Uh, Elbert, the intern, is here hosting our Hangout on Air. And if you want to uh, watch the program live stream on YouTube, just go to my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett. While you're there, follow, say hi. Uh, and uh, if you click on the YouTube link, it should be in the tweet at or near the top of the Twitter feed. Just click on the, the HOA link there. And voila, you are in. Uh, Elbert is... Um, hosting that, and he's doing a great job. Uh, Tim Spreen on the other side of the glass, pushing buttons and twisting knobs and dials as always. And uh, also joining us in my um, studio, my special guest tonight, our guest host, our co-host, and the contest winner uh, from my Follow the Truth Summit, you remember that, back in November in Oshawa, Dwayne Hickey held the winning ticket, and so he got to help out and uh, produce tonight's show. He actually helped choose our guests, And we had uh, dinner just down the street uh, together before the show. He's going to sit in on the show, co-host. Dwayne, welcome. How are you? I'm doing very well, Richard. I want to just say that I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, The the audio Imaginarium is much bigger on the inside. (laughs) That's right. It's just like the... uh, uh, Do you remember those old Disney cartoons with a little tent and you walk in the tent and it's like you're inside a... uh, a mansion or something. You're right. Well, welcome to the Inner Sanctum. Well, thank you so much. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm an IT professional. Uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm married. I have a, a, a daughter. 
um, named Chantel, my wife Emily. They're they're probably listening or going to be listening soon. And um, it's it's been a, a wonderful journey getting to know um, all the different stories of conspiracies out there. It, it's really opened up my eyes, and you can really, like you said, dig deep and and peel back the onion and and see the, all the different layers of of what's going on beneath the surface of the world that we live in. Well, we're uh, delighted to have you with us, and uh, good job in in line, helping line up uh, tonight's uh, show. You knew exactly who you wanted on the program, and we went out. We went out and we found him. Albert did actually, and I knew immediately uh, that our guest John Searle was right for this program. The moment I logged onto his website, and I saw this quote from Arthur C. Clarke. When a distinguished but elderly scientist states that something is possible, he's almost certainly right. When he states that something is impossible, he is very probably wrong. John Searle is a professor and inventor of the Searle Effect Generator. The Searle Effect Generator, or SEG. Get this, it's a self-contained electrical power generator able to produce clean and sustainable energy. It's a magnetic prime mover that operates without friction and can supply electrical power to suit both home and industry. Let's find out more about the Searle Effect Generator. John Searle, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you, sir? Well, I must admit I'm very fine, and I thank you very much for offering me the time to talk to your listeners. For those uh, not familiar with the Searle Effect Generator, uh, paint us a, a, a picture. What does this device look like? Please, in, in layman's terms. Well, to look at it by only person, it just looks like three solid rings, and each ring has a layer of rollers operating around it. And these uh, three, these three rings, are they stacked one on top of the other? No, they they sort of fold over each other. They fold over each other. Yeah. They float so over each got, other. You're looking at three rings, they flat, and they all got set of rollers running around them. The first one has twelve, the next one twenty-two, and the final one thirty-two. This creates a dio effect where the energy can only go outwards. It's not inwards. Now, the, the genesis or the origins of the SEG date all the way back to the days following the Second World War. We're talking 1946, when you were just a, a young oh, yeah. lad. Tell us about That's how this I idea... I started to prove that my dreams were correct, technically correct. Well, tell us about your dreams that led to the creation of the SEG. Well, the dream actually base itself on the simple game all children normally play called hopscotch. Oh, yes. That took me to what is called a matrix. And it's square four, the matrix four. In there, it said there's something wrong with your education. You have to search, find it, and correct it. And that is what I did from 1946. I was in the right place at the right time, learning the right type of job that made me think of the dreams and made me look into what the dreams were saying. And it proved Sir Isaac Newton was absolutely correct. It's I... not Newton proving I'm correct. 
I'm proving he is correct. And uh, what aspect of, of Newton's theory uh, uh, was correct? Are we talking about the laws of thermodynamics, or what are we talking about? No, here? no, that's the error everyone's making. It's nothing to do with heat and the machine. It's to do with forces, that you have two forces playing on the mass. You've got one force coming from the force that you're creating, the force, and you've got a second one, right angles to it. The first one, if I was Newton, and I was at the lab now, and I'm looking at this structure, I went to lift a roller, I would notice a strong pull, magnetic pull. I would then know that the force you use it to hold that roller in place is magnetic. Right. Then I look at that, the second force that makes it move. So we have two forces acting on mass. So it comes in Newton's second law at the beginning. That force acting on the mass will unbalance the atoms and electrons will be forced to move. In the movement of electrons, you'll create other forces to come into play. And the key one is, of course, naturally, momentum. That is what keeps the roller moving. So, these rollers, are they magnetic? Yes. You see, you, under the law, two opposites attract. Correct. If we see the rollers are attracted to the plate, therefore, there must be one must be negative, the other one must be positive. Got it, yes. Now, we have the problem here. Something odd is happening here. The rollers in the proper SUG do not touch the plate. How can that be? You've got this strong field pulling the magnet, the rollers in towards itself. Right. Yet, the rollers cannot touch that surface. The reason is that the way we build it, how we set the chemicals up, causes a eddy current to be created. And therefore, the eddy current stops the roller dead from hitting the plate. We demonstrate this with a very powerful magnet at the lab. You cannot put that magnet on that copper plate. There's no way you could do it. That eddy current stops you dead. Is it the energy uh, produced by this eddy current, then, that you are harnessing for uh, power? Yes. Well, we are harnessing the eddy current to lift the rolls from the plate so there's no wear or tear and no noise. Now they're running free, flying. They're actually flying around the, the plate. I understand. So the eddy current allows for the levitation, which means there's no yeah. friction, therefore there's no... Uh, that's right. And there's no waste. There's no, there's no loss in energy. Now you imagine, you've got a power unit in your house that won't wear out. It won't cause you any maintenance costs. Look at the money you'll end up in the year to spend on other things that you need. But uh, before, and, and I want to introduce you to my, my co-host tonight, uh, uh, Dwayne Hickey, who's a, a big fan of yours and, and was responsible for getting you on the program. But uh, before we get to Dwayne, I have a question to ask, John, and you've been asked this uh, countless times, I know. Is this, in fact, then, what you're describing, a perpetual motion machine? 
I'm not really. People call it that. It's not. All it's doing is just recycling energy. Just recycling the energy. All right. Let me introduce you to, uh, to our, our co-host tonight, Dwayne Hickey. Dwayne, did you want to jump in with a question for Mr. Searle? Hi, John, and thank you for coming on the program tonight. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be talking to you right now. Um, it's a pleasure to talk to you as well. Um, I, I think um, what I'd like to say is you've created this wonderful device, and um, I don't know if we want to jump ahead a little bit, but I, I'd just like to know how soon would this be available in, in homes and, and industry? Well, there's three problems, basic. First is greed. Second is ignorance. Third is cost. Now, the problem is I have been blocked from producing energy to go to the marketplace. Not surprisingly. Who want <laughs> to own it. Sure. And that's a trouble today. STI still believes they own it and they have every right and they are calling the public by fraud and deception. They do not own anything, not a cent. But they are blocking the finance we would get to get this job done quick. That's my big problem. How, uh, we're, we're coming up on a break here, John, a commercial break. When we come back on the other side, we'll, we'll delve further into how this device operates uh, and how it could benefit mankind supply electrical power to both home and industry. Imagine, I know many of us may not be thinking about this right now because the, uh, uh, the price of a, a liter or a gallon to our American friends uh, of gasoline is, uh, has fallen significantly. However, uh, imagine, imagine such a device in your home, in your factory. Think of the well, Impact. I used to have we'll, one in my home for 31 years. Well, we'll find out more about that when we come back. John Searle, professor, inventor of the Searle Effect Generator, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Hey, welcome back. Uh, also joining us in studio is Dwayne Hickey, my special co-host and uh, the winner of our, uh, our contest at the Follow the Truth Summit held back in November. He won a, uh, an opportunity to sit in on the show and help book the show, and he did a fine job. John Searle is with us. He claims he has the solution to our global energy crisis. What's more, he says he's had it for over 60 years, and he's regarded by many as the godfather of free energy science. Perhaps you've seen the John Searle story, a documentary which came out in 2009, directed by Brad Lockerman. Uh, John, uh, before the break... We, we, you were talking about uh, the Searle uh, effect, and uh, I, I want to drill down a little bit more uh, in this. Now, let's say, for example, you, uh, you, you have this in your home. Is that correct? Yes. How is it, how is it being utilized? Uh, I mean, are you running all of your electrical needs based on this device? Are you totally off the grid, yes, as it were? I was totally running the whole house, demonstrating to the media uh, day after day how good the system was. And so you're, you're entirely off the grid, is that correct? Oh, yes. Now, the grid was on the house. I had to have the grid on. But I was using the own, my own source to show the interviewers that we were running the whole house on this generator. And where is it? Is it this energy, uh, this energy coming from? Is it, is it zero-point energy? Well, it, the energy is all around us. We're wasting energy all the time. What the unit does, 
it attracts its energy back and compress it and get it into uniform motion so it can be reused again. But we don't burn it in the process. We just chart it up, and that chart is released at the end of the functions as energy we can use. So it's a converter of energy that's wasted. Uh, but is there, a, is there a prime mover or a prime energy source? It's, it's, a, it's a prime mover. It's a, what we call a magnetic effort. It's, it's a riding on a magnetic wave. Okay. But do you have to plug it in or do you have to turn it on? Or how no, does it... no. It's, you can take it anywhere you like. So it's portable. It. It's portable. It's portable. Absolutely. That is what I wanted to make. And that is what we have absolutely achieved. Only now, because of cost, we have to try to find cheaper ways of doing it. Well, why is it so expensive? How, many, how, many, how difficult is this to build? How many parts does it have, for example? Well, that's that, that every roller you're looking at is eight parts of four different materials. That's the first thing. Then how many units you have on the plate? The next plate got to have ten more. The next plate, ten more. What you're really looking at is that you've got a solid ring round a solid plate, but we have divided it into 12 pieces on the first, and then we rolled it into a cylinder. So it can roll freely around that plate. So it's very simple to look at. But it is very difficult to do because it calls for a different type of magnetic effect than our present-day system. And what ma- material? You cannot make it with our normal magnetizer. You have to have a very special one to do that. What materials uh, is it made from? Is it, it? Well, first of all, we have to have a rare earth. The reason is it has a lot of extra electrons available to use. That gives you the kickstart to get it to start on its own. Then you need a reservoir material, which is an insulator, which controls the flow of electrons passing through it. So you don't get all the energy of the magnetic material inside flowing through quickly in one go. And then you just get a pulse, then secondary another pulse. That's no good. We have to smooth it out, and we do that with a plastic material. Then you have your accelerator. We call it accelerator. It speeds up the electrons to the, almost the speed of light. And it has a magnetic effect. Then the last material is the very thing no magnetizing company wants. It's a material that produces eddy currents. We need eddy currents to lift the roller from the surface because two lights repel. So you must have a highly negative point, and the rollers must be highly negative. So they repel, they lift away from the plate. They will not touch that plate. So you have a nice, silent running machine. Right. And, and how, 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 how much space would this take up in, in your home? How big is this? Well, for the domestic one, we're looking at something about, uh, I would guess, from what we do, we'd be about... 14 inches wide and 4 inches deep. That would sit. 14 inches wide? Inside wall or inside wall. 
About the size of a dinner plate. Forget about it. About the size of a dinner plate. Well, a little bigger, just a little bigger than a dinner plate. That's remarkable. Let me turn it over to my uh, my special co-host tonight, Dwayne Hickey. Dwayne, do you have another question for for Mr. Searle? When you were, um, I, I watched a video on you, and when you were fourteen and a half, you you built this device in a home in London. Um, how did how did you make it back then? Well, the parts were made at the factory where I worked. I assembled them at home to do the research work as to what the effects would be. Because from the scientific world, they said the rollers would not stay on the surface of the plate. Certainly, if they did, you try to move and they would shoot off. But we proved them wrong in both cases. John, the uh, again, I come back to uh, the critics and the skeptics and the debunkers who would say you cannot have, you know, one of the laws of thermodynamics is you cannot have more energy out, uh, coming out than is going in. How do you get around that? What do you say I to the... I laugh at them because they're blind. They're lacking education. If you are putting a fuel out that attracts energy in, that's wasted. Now, from the sun, you have... 100% of energy hits the earth, 70% goes back out because we don't know how to use it. The energy knows how to use it. There are tons of energy out there, millions of uncountable electrons waiting for somewhere to go. And the energy gives them that opportunity to find a place to go. So the energy can continue. There is no burning of fuel involved. And how much money would it take to start mass producing this? Let's say, for example, um, I don't know, one of the major oil companies decided, all right, the time is running out for the age of fossil fuels. Let's get behind John Searle's uh, generator and uh, let's pump some money into it. How much money would it take to start mass producing this thing for, for home uh, use? To be honest, to, to set up a mass production unit from the ground floor, we're looking today, price, something like 55 million or even 68 million. A drop in the bucket. Yes. But, of course, when you look back to my days, to make an SCG, when you're doing it in the electrical power station, would really cost about 180 pounds in English money for an SCG. Because you've got all the tools and energy to make it. So, but about 55, 60 a million, did you say, or billion? Yes, million. Million. Yes. All right, again, a drop in the bucket uh, for a company to start mass producing this. Now, the, oh, other, yes. the other issue, of course, rare earths. They're called rare earths for a reason. Yes. And we know that, for example, countries like China are very busy buying up rare earths. Are there enough rare earths uh, to, you know, to... Uh, allow for mass production of these devices so that every home in America, let's say, to begin with, could have one. Is there enough rare earth? Well, first of all, I'd like to point out all our materials are made in China. We have a good connection and interested companies who make the material precisely as I asked them to. No company in America would do it because that's too risky. What are the what are the uh, you, you've posted these videos on on YouTube and so forth and and uh, Albert I believe that on our slideshow on our hangout there's a picture of this correct? Yeah, Al- 
well, people put out pictures how they see things or what they see. Uh, I have nothing to do with that. What goes out on the web? No, but how how is the media? It's the writing of the technical books, which I'm now writing the biggest one I've ever written for the general public. No, but when it will be a thousand pages long. Okay, but when let's say, for example, uh, fellow scientists, colleagues of yours, uh, uh, see this and they they see it demonstrated, what are they saying? Are they are they writing uh, peer-reviewed articles about this, for example? Yeah, well. Let's put it from my opinion of people from Boeing. When they demonstrate the system, they ask you, where does the fuel go in? And you just told them how the fuel go in. They're looking for a place where you put the gasoline in. <laughs> These are the folks but at Boeing. There is no place. Gas. The energy is all around us. Right, right. Billions and billions of free negative ions are sitting there waiting for somewhere to go, and the SUG attracts them. I don't know. I, I find that hard to believe that Boeing would uh, would be so skeptical, given you know their work in anti-gravitics and so forth. We know about from the 1950s. Uh, but so right. Boeing isn't interested. Is there anyone that's shown interest that's willing to invest in your in your device? Well, let me say here, when Kennedy gone it. F. Kennedy was alive and president. He did try to get the Edward Air Force Base to back the system. Is that right? Yes, that's true. We, we have put the details in my book. Again, I put them in this book. He was interested that America went to this technology. But on the major examining all the work, he couldn't find inertia. And because of that, just because of that, he said it was impossible for them to fund the technology. Did you meet Jack Kennedy? I didn't meet him. We talked. I was known by, by the workforce that he was my friend. And when it was announced he'd been killed, they told me when I arrived at work, I'm sad to say, your friend is dead. So you had many telephone conversations? Yes, we had definite conversation with. It's not that. We also did a, a long letter to President Clinton when he was president, and it was put to music, and that should be seen on my website. You can actually hear it. Barry Stroller wrote the music, and I think it's, uh, well, some mature who read the letter to music. And that the website is surlsolution.com, correct? Yes. Searle, S-E-A-R-L, solution.com. Let me uh, throw it over to my uh, colleague here again, Dwayne Hickey. Go ahead. Question? So, so John, uh, your your device is basically pulling ions out of the air and electrons out of the air, and is it uh, also purifying the air when it it does this? Oh, yes. It cleans up the air. That's the beauty about it. The... Your room becomes negatively charged instead of positively charged. That means, for people listening, that you can work without getting eyesore, headaches, and things like that. And you don't suffer from disease so much because the dust is on the floor. Dust cannot flow in a negative state. It can only flow in a positive state. And if we can get the room nice negatively state, 
two things happen. Clean air, and you don't get tired out. I used to work a week without sleep. The press came every day, took me from work to the site where we were demonstrating the work, and then back to work. They would ask, when do you sleep? And I would say, if I went to sleep, you would not have this meeting today. Was Nikola Tesla an influence? Uh, I don't know very much about Tesla, but I understand that he met up with the same problems I met up, only he met up with Morgan. J.P. Morgan, yes. He did not want AC power on the market. Well, he certainly didn't want AC power being transmitted through the air where it couldn't be metered, and that's for sure. I can understand that with ease. Well, which begs a question, John, um, and that is, this is a very disruptive technology, uh, which may be why uh, it's being stifled. And one could almost understand, here we have uh, the world economy and and the world reserve currency, the U.S. dollar, which is essentially a petrodollar. If overnight, let's say, uh, we were to replace all the, uh, you know, the gas turbines and we were to um, uh, get rid of the need for fossil fuel, wouldn't that cause the, uh, the economy just to crash? Well, that depends which way you're looking at it. SEG opens up a new dimension for employment. You can now work where we cannot possibly work at this time because fuel and that costs too much. But if we had SEG, we can work the deserts, we can turn the deserts to a paradise, and we can get work for everyone. So there's no worry about shortage. How many people actually employed in petrol stations? today, perhaps two or three people. Now there must be ten jobs they could do if it was powered by SEG. That's true. This is a portable device. I mean, you don't need to be near a a hydro-generating station. You you could take one of these things in the middle of the jungle and all of a sudden you've got... It doesn't matter about what the weather's like. You just turn the key and off you go. You can wave goodbye to every petrol station you pass. All right, John, we've got to wave goodbye here. Just... John, I've just got to wave goodbye for a moment here. We'll never stop. All right, we'll take a time out. We'll come back and continue our conversation with John Searle, professor, inventor of the Searle Effect Generator. All right, here on The Conspiracy Show, my name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. Welcome back. John Searle, known as the grandfather of free energy science, is with us, professor, inventor of the Searle Effect Generator, a self-contained electrical power generator. Get this able to produce clean and sustainable energy. It's a magnetic prime mover that operates without friction and can supply electrical power to suit both home and industry. But not surprisingly, we are not going to see this on the the market anytime soon. Let's uh, delve into that aspect a little uh, further, John, if we could. Uh, Have you been approached, for example, uh, I'm thinking back to people like Stanley Meyer and his water engine, uh, who, according to legend, was approached by Big Oil. They wanted to buy his device, basically put it on a shelf so it would gather dust. Have you been approached by Big Oil? Well, I have been. But there's something I'd like to point out, which may interest you. I was in Canada in 1971. I went on TV and demonstrated the solar effect, in which 
your government then inviting me to lunch with a full cabinet. Pierre Trudeau. And the Prime that would have stated that that is what Canada needed. But I said that I've already been to the PAR people. They turned it down. They said yes, because they just paid out a lot of money to harness the water for the energy, and they won't allow anything like that into the country. But we had a long dinner party in which I ate nothing because they kept asking me questions. Then the Prime Minister said to me, aren't you hungry, John? Well, I was, but how can you eat and talk at the same time? <laughs> Indeed. Uh, well, John, you... They meant well. They yes. really wanted to see the SEC there in Canada. Well, having said that, John, uh, a gentleman that's been on this program a number of times, uh, and that and he was the former uh, Deputy Prime Minister, and that would be Paul Hellyer, the Honourable Paul Hellyer, uh, who's very interested in free energy. In fact, he's just written a book called The Money Mafia, uh, in which he describes how the international bankers, and uh, I imagine he would throw big oil in there, are suppressing free energy devices like yours. Have you been in contact with the Honourable Paul Hellyer? No, not to my knowledge. That's a gentleman I think you'd like to talk to. Uh, let me uh, uh, throw it. You, you mentioned your uh, association and your friendship with John Kennedy, and I know uh, my co-host Dwayne Hickey has a question about that. Dwayne? So, John, do you think uh, that might have had something to do with, you know, your connection with, with Kennedy? Do you think that might have uh, got him killed? I think so. That's always been on my mind. That, that seems to be a good reason to stop the SEG if he was keen to get Edwards Air Force Base to fund the research work. So you, you, you are leaning towards that as a motive, that his interest yes. in free energy may have led to his assassination. In my heart, I feel that way. Mm. You mentioned uh, uh, some time ago on this program that there was... A company or an organization, I believe you used the initials SEI, uh, that, that was standing in the way, that was preventing this from coming to market. It, was it SEI? Yes. What, what does SEI stand for? Who are these people? That, that was the cell uh, technology. And, uh, they have, I'm not supposed to be talking about this, but they have uh, told the people they own everything. I like the people though they don't own nothing. So it's this is dream. this was a parent company that claims they own the rights yes, to this technology, yes. and you're disputing this. Is there an ongoing I court case? That the companies don't want me to talk about it, as it's in solicitors' hands at this time. All right. Is this in court at the moment? Yes. It is. Okay. Or will be. We're coming up on another break here, but we'll start the discussion now. We'll continue after the break. And that is, are there other serial effect generators elsewhere? Do, do other people have this device in their home? Or are you the only one? No. There, there was two others out there. One was handed back to me when it recovered. And in case somebody else needed it. And the other one died. And we think the authorities stopped it. Because he had no relatives. So the person that was in possession of this used it, yeah. and then when they died, it was destroyed? Is that the idea? Yes. Well, it's all in this new book I'm writing. 
And what is the name of this book, and when can we expect it to be published? Well, the first part I hope to release soon. The second volume will be very quick after. Now, the third part, as I said, they'll be a thousand pages long. Have you thought... Every minute detail, tell you what to do, how to do it, how I did it to learn. I make it as simple as I can. I do the mathematics as simple as it's possible to do to help people to understand what they were not able to learn at school. So this will be your legacy. You want to give this gift to the world. Yes. So have you thought about uh, putting the, uh, the instructions up on the Internet for free where anyone could download them? Well, it will be. The, uh, we'll be sending copies each uh, volume to the media and top people, governments, so they can study it, so they can really see that I mean no harm to anyone but good, and also for the benefit of the animals that we have to have to survive. I can just I can see the uh, the the debunkers lining up right now to try and discredit you. I mean, obviously they've been trying to do that for many years. Um, do you have any friends on Capitol Hill? I know you had an, a, a friendship with with Jack Kennedy. Yes. Do you have any uh, allies in Washington yes. now? Yes. Bill Clinton did uh, uh, reply to John Thomas personally, who was working with me then in New York, and wish him all the success. As I say this book, yes, him and Carter did wish us success. They wrote the letter, the reply themselves personally, but the only president that actually tried to do something to have was President Kennedy. All right. And it's sad that he died for it. John, we'll take one final time out. We'll come back and finish up our most intriguing conversation. Stay with us right here on The Conspiracy Show. And we uh, roll along with our conversation with uh, John Searle, the grandfather of free energy science, inventor of the Searle Effect Generator, which uh, is uh, about 70 years in the making. He first devised this uh, device back in 1946 as a young lad in England. Uh, now, John, is there any way this device and the, the energy source that you're tapping into could be weaponized? Is that a concern if, let's say, someone at DARPA were to get their hands on this? Well, let's put it this way. I don't think people realize A, the effects of the energy were demonstrated early in the 18th century. Late in that century, when movies came on, they used these effects that were being demonstrated at musical halls, universities, places like that, at showpiece. But they couldn't put it together to motor. But then Einstein came along, and he proved that the atom did have all this energy in it. But he was determined it would take a lot more energy to get it out, which, of course, he was proved wrong. It did not take that amount of energy to get it out. The atom bomb proved that. Then along came the people who invented the ingredients, created the machines. Then came this idiot, born in England, in a workhouse, who put it all together as a motor, and has since been kicked for doing so. And today is still getting kicked for doing so. But whether they kick me or not, the SEG is coming to the market 
here in America and in China. We have signed the contract legally, and I guarantee that I've got to go back to England to sort out matters there before I come back to get on with the work. We are going to get the SUG to the market, whether these people like it or not. I don't care a damn. I'm interested to save the planet. It's crying for help. I want to make sure the future generation have got something to live for and can live in a better world than we live today. I am determined to achieve that. So, John, when do you expect to see your, your product out on the market? Well, if we get the money in two years, it'll be on the market. And, and where, will, where will it be unveiled? Will it be China? Well, it, we expect the first one, to, the demonstration, will be here in the States. In the United States? Yes. And then we'll be... Well, there are preparing factories in China to mass-produce them. There's been long rumored uh, a community in Switzerland... Uh, that is completely off the grid, an entire town. It's very secretive, uh, and uh, it has been suggested that this this um, village or town in Switzerland may be using a device similar to yours. Do you know about this town, and what can you tell me if so? No, I don't know about it, uh, but if there is, there are ways to produce electricity, agree, but they wear out because... Heat is involved. Right, friction, right. Yes, that's the problem they've got. I'm looking for a project that do not have this friction problem, and the SUGs don't have it. Are you at all, is there any reason to, con- to be concerned with the fact that uh, this device would be assembled in China? Uh, obviously, I don't need to tell you, uh, many... Uh, many people in the United States look to China as being uh, a major threat. Well, China, of course, wants to get established in the technology field. Under the contract, they will make the SUG except for the magnetic side, which will be done here in San Diego, USA. And we'll do it and send the part to them, and they're just mass assemble them and sell them. And your timeline, and you're quite confident, your timeline is within two years we could see... Uh, two years, if the money was in the bank today. I guess the money will come. It's just that there have been so much anti-stuff out on the web that sort of turned people off, take the risk. How can two people, different people, own the same technology? And rice. Once we clear that up legally, I think we will see the money come in, and then we can say, from that moment, two years, we should be in mass production. But surely, uh, John, it would be very easy uh, for uh, an unbiased team of scientists to arrive at your home, uh, test this, write a peer-reviewed journal article. Uh, which would announce to the world that the science behind the SEG is sound, repeatable, verifiable, according to the scientific method, case closed. What's the problem? Well, they've done that in the past. The problem is people take their nutcases. They call all my workforce nutcases. 
So even if you were to bring in, let's say, someone from the the uh, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, or uh, I don't know, um, physicists from, or <clears throat> uh, I guess a physicist would be the person uh, best qualified. Oh yeah. Uh, from Harvard or Princeton, uh, you're telling me that if they came and uh, pronounced that the SEG is legitimate and it works according to you know everything that you've said, that they. Uh, they would, be immediately, they would immediately be discredited. Yes. That says that so is poison is mine. That's what they do to all my stuff on the web. They say they're mad. Well, this is a real conundrum. <laughs> uh, yes. you know, every, every expert, Einstein, Newton, and everyone you can think of, that changed the world for the better were all called insane. That's why I say to the media, when they ask, are you insane? I say, well, I belong to a good union because all these great people were also insane. That's right. You're in good company, to be sure. Yes, in good company. Are you ever concerned about your... Well, you're in your 80s now. Uh, you know, you've lived a good life. But uh, at any point, have you been concerned about your personal safety, given this disruptive technology and the threat that it poses to the established order? Well, I had the days I've been threatened by people, but I just locked the door and tell them they'll be detained until I know who they are. Um, by four o'clock in the morning, they're desperate, want the loo and a drink, and they then tell me, then I let them go. I don't worry about anyone. I just get on with my job, do what I have to do. That's all I'm concerned with. What do your neighbors think of you, John? Well, I don't know. They're talking to them around here. But in Mortimer, the Atomic Works wrote a nasty letter because I wouldn't give them the IGV they were watching on television. So they wrote an anti to stop people investing in me so that I'd be forced to give them the secret so they could make it. But unfortunately, the news had already got out about the air commodore of Great Britain, who said that Johnson said that this craft would not come back to the following Sunday. That was on a Sunday. By Thursday, they admitted that so must be right. It won't be coming back here till Sunday. Therefore, we are leaving and going back. When so comes out on the market, he will overrule the Americans and the Russians. He will be king and master of all airspace. And that was from the Air Commodore on a Thursday afternoon at 3 o'clock, hmm. in Could... which I had an atomic work, worker there talk to me and Reverend George Nixon that I had there as witness, that he wanted to write an article to get the people to fund the work so I could stop and to go to work to get money to do the work. But then when I refused, he saw that particular flash. He turned on me and said, give it to him. I will. So he turned to the Reverend George Nixon and said, make him give it to me. And he said, I can't. What are you offering him? And I said, nothing. But you get royalties. And particularly all the people he'll put in work. And Reverend George Nixon said, you need some money now. Right. John, let me ask you this. Uh, uh, and I, I don't mean to be flippant here, but you are... In, well into your 80s. Is there, my concern would be at this point, is it 
Is it possible that this technology could die with you? Of course, that's always a worrying problem. That's why I'm writing this book, to make sure every detail, how I learned it, how it goes together, how it fits the dreams, so that people can make it. If they really understand, it's the magnetizer that's got to be changed. And that is what, here in San Diego, at the lab, they are building the new type of magnetizer, which I hope will cut the cost down to quite a bit. Right. So we can keep the generator at the same price around the other generator's costs. And, um, and in Canada, when I went from firm to firm in the 70s, they said, if the generator runs for two years, we would buy it. Okay. Uh, let me say that I see no reason why it shouldn't run two years. And I see no reason why that it shouldn't keep on running for the next generation and the next generation until time itself stops. What would the price point be on one of these SEGs for home use once they're mass-produced? How much would one well, expect to pay? At the moment, it looks like it would be about $16,000. $16,000. But, but just bear in mind, you've got something that you're going to pass down to generations and generations. It's an investment. Right. So, yes, 16000 amortized over 70, 80 years. That's pretty yes. good. <laughs> And could that run a household, or could that run a, a community? Run your whole house and a big swimming pool, keep it hot in the winter, keep it cool in the summer. Could it be adapted for use in an automobile? Oh, yes. It's perfect. to make the, all your, say, if you have one of these mobile homes, it could supply all the heat for motion and also for cooking and everything. In fact, I hope it won't be too long before we can take a mobile home and tour America and demonstrate cookers plugged in on it and that show that it cooks just as good as any cooking in your house does. Well, John, listen, uh, I wish you many years, my friend, uh, so that you can complete this uh, most important work. And uh, we look forward to uh, the book, Volumes 1 and 2, which we hope will be out uh, soon. We'd love to have you back on the program uh, when those books I, are ready. I wish it was at the lab. So I could actually show you how Einstein, Albert uh, Einstein and Newton, so I think Newton, would answer what they were saying. And you then realize that it does not break any laws whatsoever. In fact, it proves them to be correct. That's fascinating. John, it's a, a real uh, pl a, a pleasure and a privilege to have met you, sir, again many years, and uh, I look forward uh, to speaking with you again. Good luck. Thank you very much. Now I wish you a long and happy life. Thank you, sir. Thank you, John. John Searle. Wow. What did you make of that, Dwayne Hickey? I loved it. I, I can't wait for, uh, for the device to come out on the market to, to read his book. It'll be very interesting. Well, I, um, I, obviously, I wish him well. Uh, I am, I'm not skeptical about the device, necessarily. I'm not a physicist. What I'm skeptical about is the likelihood that it will come to market in two years. I think the forces lined up against him are so powerful uh, that they would stop at nothing uh, to prevent something this disruptive 
from coming to market until they're ready for it to come to market. That's my only concern. Hey, uh, again, John Searle and his website, if you want to check it out for yourself and learn about the Searle Effect Generator, the website, www.searlesolution.com. Searle, that's S-E-A-R-L, searlesolution.com. <clears throat> my website, richardserrett.com. That's your portal to The Conspiracy Show. Say hello on Twitter, at Richard Serrett. And as always... Follow the truth. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home. And we are doing another HOA tonight. That's Hangout on Air. If you want to watch the radio program, that's right, watch the radio program live and in progress. Uh, you can watch the live stream on YouTube. Just go to my Twitter page, at Richard Serrett. Click on the YouTube link that's posted in the uh, tweet at or near the top of the uh, Twitter page. And voila, you are in the inner sanctum. And you can join us live in studio. Uh, I'm also joined in studio by our contest winner from my Follow the Truth that held back in November. Dwayne Hickey won an opportunity to sit in on the show, and he's my special co-host for tonight. He helped produce the show. Dwayne, welcome once again. How are you, my friend? Enjoying yourself? Whoops, let's turn you on there. I'm doing great, Richard. I'm excited. Uh, John Searle was a fabulous guest, and uh, I'm looking forward to our next guest. Now, you're a, an IT specialist, correct? That's right. How did you become interested in this subject matter uh, that we discuss on The Conspiracy Show? Um, probably in about um, 2005, I watched a video called Loose Change. It was a 9-11 video about right. mm -hmm. you know, the conspiracy about 9-11. It, it kind of really uh, opened up my mind in terms of um, what's going on in the world. It was uh, it was a, it was a very big revelation, and I delved deep into it. Probably delved too much into it. Um, was completely consumed by it, and then since then, um, I heard about you on on different radio programs, and. Um, I've been, I've been following your program ever since. Well, we're uh, delighted to have you with us, and great job helping to line up the show. Thank you. Uh, Albert, the intern, is with us as well. He's posted some great stories, as usual, in the highlight carousel at richardserrett.com. There's a great story about something called artificial telepathy, and you can check it out. Uh, the, 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 uh, the story talks about research in the 1980s and 90s, which centers on the aviary, the code word aviary, and their leader, Colonel John B. Alexander. And uh, the aviary is a, a collection of strange birds, a group of key scientists, military men, intelligence agents, who share an intense interest in UFOs, telepathy, remote viewing, parapsychology, mind control, and the creation of psychotronic weapons, all things we've talked about on this program. And uh, they seem to work and flock together, and they're reportedly part of this secretive cell. Its members are codenamed after birds, and hence they're called the uh, the birds and their cell is called the aviary. Check it out. Again, it's uh, in the highlight carousel at richardsarah.com. Another story you may want to check out has to do with DARPA's latest generation of drones or autonomous micro-drones. Check these things out. They're the size of a, of a dragonfly, and they're designed to enter houses and presumably spy on the occupants of those houses and, and Lord knows do what else to the occupants of those houses. Gives a whole new meaning to the phrase, I'd love to be a fly on the wall. Well, apparently, maybe the NSA is that fly on your wall. So again, check out that story. It's in the highlight carousel at richardserrett.com. Just watch the slides as they go by and click on the story you're interested in. It'll take you right there. One more story I'll uh, direct you to on the highlight carousel, and that has to do with something we've talked about at length 
on this program with people like Stephen Bassett, who was with us just over a month ago, I think. And that's the disclosure petition and the efforts of UFO disclosure advocates everywhere to get the U.S. government primarily to come clean on what they know about the UFO ET presence here on Earth. And uh, there's a new petition. We're going to talk about it in a moment. Uh, we talked about it again uh, with Stephen Bassett. This one, following in the wake of the uh, the citizens' hearing, which were held in Washington back in, I believe it was May, uh, April, May of 2013. And uh, this petition project is now well underway. In fact, the clock is ticking on this one. It's called the Disclosure Petition 6 congressional hearings, and uh, it's now up on the White House website, ready for signatures. They need 100,000 signatures. They need them, well, time is, is, uh, is ticking by. We'll get an exact um, timeline on that in just a moment. And uh, if they get the 100,000 signatures, and that's where you come in, the President of the United States will be required to respond, and the petition will remain on the White House website for the remainder of the president's term in office. But the key here is the president will be required to respond. Someone who's working very hard to end the nearly 70-year uh, truth embargo on UFOs and ETs joins us now. Elizabeth Trutwin is working on the Congressional Hearings Initiative, a project of Paradigm Research Group, and a White House petition, again, asking for support of a new congressional hearing on the extraterrestrial issue uh, which launched earlier this month, and uh, they've tweeted over 750,000 tweets to 535 congressmen and congresspersons, rather, uh, since the initiative began back in November. And a formal disclosure has uh, been a passion of hers since she quit her job back in 2008 to work on it full-time. She's also the author of Stargate Earth. Elizabeth Trutwin, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Greetings, Richard. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for being here. And also, uh, my special co-host tonight, uh, Dwayne Hickey, is uh, with us, and uh, he was the one that pushed to have you on the show. Uh, say hello to Dwayne. Dwayne, I'm so grateful. Very nice to meet you. Thank you very much. Very nice to meet you, too. Uh, we're glad you were able to uh, join us tonight. Thank you. Elizabeth, give us the, uh, the, the timeline now of this latest petition. How many days are left, and how many signatures are still needed? Tonight we have 9,465 signatures, almost 10,000. We need 90,000 more signatures in the next 20 days. And the final day is February 6th. I feel if we have the right publicity, we could obtain this goal. Uh, we had a, a little fluky thing happen this week. There were two days when the petition was not obtainable. You couldn't click to get onto it. There was a corrupted URL on the White House petition website, and it lasted two days before they fixed it. Hmm. Methinks that might not be just a little fluke. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> uh, well, there's speculation, but that's all that it is. We're glad that it's fixed and it's back up and ready to roll. And it's very important to make a point that there is a misnomer sometimes because it's a White House petition and because it's considered a United States um, story that um, only Americans can sign, and that's not true. Uh, according to use and terms on that website, anyone over the age of 13 may sign, so that means any country may sign. So I'm counting on all the Canadians out there get on that website and help us with this. All right, direct my listeners. Where do they go? How do they do it? Sure. 
Um, Steve Bassett has set up a website, and it's called DisclosurePetition.org. When you go there, there's a direct link to the petition, and you will be asked for first name, last name, and an email address. And the reason for that is because they'll have you click on a link in your email, and that keeps uh, robotic signatures from going on that website. Right, to make sure you're a human. Yes. There, there's a zip code spot. You can leave it blank. It's not necessary. Some people don't want to put their whole names on that website. That's fine. It will just take initials. You just go on the, click on the link at disclosurepetition.org and put in your first and last initial and your email, and your, that's it. It's all there. It takes uh, about three minutes. All right. And give us a sense of what we're signing on to. What is the, 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 the basic wording of of the petition. What are you asking from the president? We're asking that the president support a new congressional hearing on the extraterrestrial issue. And it's that simple. There's an interesting history here. Back in September of 2011 uh, was the first disclosure petition, and that petition did get the number of signatures it needed. And in response to that petition, two months later, the um, Obama administration came out with a reply that said, the U.S. government has no evidence of any life, that any life exists outside our planet, or that that an extraterrestrial presence has contacted or engaged any member of the human race. In addition, there is no credible information to suggest that any evidence is being hidden from the public's eye. That was pivotal because it's the very first time in history that the United States government put their um, opinion about extraterrestrials in writing. Right. It's also a bold-faced lie, wouldn't you agree? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was actually at the Citizens Hearing on Disclosure all five days, and I got to hear the testimony of the witnesses from 10 different countries. And anyone that can hear that, uh, there's no way. Well, we have Too much evidence. We have a paper trail, you know, going back decades and decades and decades. Whether we're talking about the Twining memo, whether we're talking about J. Edgar Hoover's uh, memo, when they name, you know, when they when they, and it's there in black and white specifically. We know uh, U.S. Uh, defense officials, uh, uh, pilots have had uh, uh, you know eye visual contact with crafts of an right. unknown origin, have engaged them, have in some cases uh, fired at them. Uh, right. This is this is proof positive that they they know about them. They are concerned about them. How in in light of that could a president say we have no evidence? This reply was written by a low level guy at the Office of Space and Technology. It wasn't written by the president. Um, so this is the you know reply from the Obama Obama administration, as it were. Still, I'm not convinced that Barack has this opinion. All right. But given that statement, uh, low-level uh, official uh, or not, why should we expect the result to be any different? Let's say, uh, hopefully, we get those 100,000 signatures on this petition and... Mm-hmm. We were sitting and waiting for a response. Why should we expect, again, a different result this time around? This is very interesting, and it's, it's a complicated story. 
uh, it may be that back in 2011, the powers that be were not ready for a formal disclosure. And there is a misconception out there that there is some entity, sometimes called the cabal, that may be controlling this and will never allow this, or that Congress will never allow this. Well, out of 535 members of Congress, there are maybe a dozen who do want a formal disclosure. So that's why there's a misconception. The truth is that none of those people uh, have anything to do with a formal disclosure. The only two that have a say in a formal disclosure are certain members at the Pentagon and President Obama, and that's it. Everybody else will be at home watching on TV. And so um, when this reply came out back in 2011, maybe it was a challenge for us, the grassroots movement, those of us who believe the truthers, um, to step it up and get prepared for what we've done now. We, we, we went ahead and we did the citizens hearing on disclosure and we filmed it. And now we have sent 538 10 DVD sets to every member of Congress. And um, this lobbyist, Stephen Bassett, is going to visit these folks. And it may be now that those members in the Pentagon and President Obama are coming together to provide the evidence that we need for a formal disclosure. And people say, well, what is the definition of a formal disclosure? And that would be President Obama coming on a broadcast and saying to the world, we're not alone in this universe. And that's all he has to do. That's all that it is. All right, but Elizabeth. Once we have a formal disclosure from the government, right. from the commander in chief of the armed forces who started the truth embargo in 1947, then we can have the Pentagon give the evidence, like you said. Okay. On these fighter jets. I've got. To, sorry, Elizabeth. I got to jump in here. We got to take a time out. The music is uh, signaling me to do so. We'll. Uh, you stay put. We'll come back and continue to discuss uh, the petition project and disclosure. Elizabeth Trutwin, my guest. Dwayne Hickey in studio, here on the Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Welcome back. Elizabeth Trutwin is with us as we continue to talk about disclosure and the the latest petition project. Give us the details again, Elizabeth, if people want to sign this petition. Uh, and this is essentially uh, trying to get the uh, the President of the United States and others to, to agree on a, a new congressional hearing on the ET uh, issue. Uh, so once again, how do people sign on? Thank you, yes. The website is DisclosurePetition.org. Go there, and there is a direct link to the petition. And so they will ask for your first name, last name, email address, and that's all you need to sign. Now, there's nothing... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, we're looking for 90,000 more signatures between now and February 6th, and anyone may sign. All right, that's certainly doable, and uh, my listeners, I know, will will do their part and rise to the occasion. Now, uh, this is not legally binding. Uh, let's say you get the 100,000 signatures. The president or some official could simply say, 
uh, well, it's not necessarily a bad idea. It's just our plate is full. We have, you know, we have ISIS. Uh, we have uh, the situation in Crimea. We have, you know, uh, major economic issues to face. Now is not a good time. Uh, maybe sometime in the future. I mean, couldn't they just simply kick the can down the road indefinitely on this one? There's two different parts to this. So on a reply to the petition, right now there's a petition on the website that has 135,000 signatures, and it's asking to pardon Edward Snowden. And it's been sitting there for two years. So even if we, when we obtain the 100,000 signatures, there's no requirement that they reply in any timely manner. Um, the other part of this is the petition is asking for support for congressional hearings. The ones who decide if we have congressional hearings or not are the actual chairs of the committees who hold the uh, congressional hearings. And those are committees like Select Intelligence, Science and Transportation, Homeland Security, Science, Space and Technology. There's seven committees that are appropriate for a congressional hearing for an extraterrestrial issue. And so we are that's why we have sent now. Uh, 845,000 tweets to 535 members of Congress, and we're also emailing them and Facebook posting them. So we have this social media campaign going on, which is part of the Congressional Hearing Initiative, which also includes the petition. So the Congressional Hearing decision is up to Congress, not the uh, petition website. All right. Thank you for that clarification. Let me get um, our co-host, Dwayne Hickey, in here, who has a question for you. Hi, Dwayne. Hi there. So, so we have all the the social media campaign and the petition going on. What other leverage do you have that can sort of stronghold the the government into revealing and disclosing? We are targeting Congress for our tweets, and we're targeting the president for our petition. And they are none of them. Um, can help us the same way that mainstream media can. They are truly our only target. All of the publicity is going out there uh, invoking mainstream media to look at this and bring this question to the general populace. Make this a mainstream issue. That's a, that's a good point. Uh, and f- in fact, and, and largely through your effort, uh, efforts and, and Stephen Bassett's efforts, I have noticed, and I know that you have noticed, a, a, a sea change in the attitude of the mainstream press towards this issue. Yes, there are still those laggards who are still writing these ridiculous sort of tongue-in-cheek pieces about little green men and so forth. Uh, but right. aside from those, there are now um, uh, credible, uh, you know, hard-nosed journalists who are writing serious pieces, or at least writing in a respectful tone about this issue. Ten years ago, five years ago, we didn't see that. Right. New York Times wrote a beautiful piece on Friday night, May 3rd of 2013, summing up the citizens' hearing on disclosure. And we've had some great articles come out in the last two weeks. The Air Force uh, Times covered this petition in their paper. That was amazing. And if memory serves, uh, uh, the Washington Times, I believe, or it may have been the Washington Post. I'm it was the Washington Times. It was the Washington Times. Uh, they covered the the uh, the citizens' hearing with, again, uh, a, a degree of, of balance and fairness and a respectful tone. 
Yes, right. That's a major accomplishment, a major accomplishment. I've been on radio since 2009 working on that. Um, it's, the dri- it's the driving force of everything I do seven days a week. Exactly. I believe that when we have a post-disclosure world, people like John Sarrow will be out there, and they will be funded, and we will have the things that we can only have in a post-disclosure world. You believe that they are, there is a connection between John... We had uh, John Searle on earlier, for those just joining us, John Searle talking about his uh, Searle Effect Generator. We're talking about, essentially, a free energy device. Uh, and we've also had Paul Hellyer on the program, the Honorable Paul Hellyer, uh, in his new book, The Money Mafia. He talks about um, the, um, sort of the, the connection between... Uh, free energy and the UFO ET issue. What is the connection in your mind between free energy and this important issue? The truth embargo, which was initiated in 1947, maybe for national security reasons, maybe for good reasons back then, has been kept in place almost 70 years. And the effect has been that there is a secret space program, and it has a black budget. Catherine Austin Fitz has done the accounting on this, and she claims $75 trillion are in black budget funds. There was an article on Yahoo.com, a news article, about four days ago, saying that China had sent Jade Rabbit, the rover, to the moon, to explore the possibility of mining hydrogen-3 from the moon. And my opinion is that we are already in deep space with propulsion technology that's been reverse-engineered, and we are already mining other planets and bringing back payloads, and they're not telling us about it. And people say, well, Beth, what are they bringing back? And I say, I don't know exactly, but we do know some things, and I've named Hydrogen 3 before, and it's the first time I've seen it in the mainstream news this week. And so we have these suppressed patent technologies. We have free energy. We have gravitic technology. We have, um, and this was testified about at CHD by Tom Spallone and others, Dr. Greer um, testified about free energy, and Because the truth embargo is in place, none of these things will be made public until we have a post-disclosure world. We need a formal disclosure from our governments, and in this case, it's the United States because we started it and had our allies sign on. Uh, When we have this formal disclosure, which is one sentence that Barack will say on TV, uh, we'll be done, and we'll be able to um, fund these projects and all of the secrets will be gone. Does the president, the current uh, occupant of the White House, have the security clearance? For example, we know what happened to uh, President uh, William Jefferson Clinton when he sent uh, his, I believe it was uh, Hubble, he sent uh, Hubble uh, to find out you know, what, what he could find out about the UFO issue. And Hubble was stonewalled at every, every turn. Uh, Jimmy Carter... Uh, supposedly, according to legend, asked the then, I believe he was the then CIA director, George Herbert Walker Bush, about the UFO issue uh, and was summarily uh, shut down and told, you know, you don't have a need to know. What what leads you or others to believe that President Barack Obama has the security clearance or a need to know? 
according to Stephen Bassett, certain presidents were briefed and other presidents were not briefed. And we know that between 1993 and 1996, during the Rockefeller Initiative in the Clinton White House, they were preparing President Clinton to be the disclosure president, but it didn't happen. And the difference between then and now is that the forces behind the truth embargo, Majestic 12, um, people at the CIA, and... Uh, others who are involved at the Pentagon. And these are entities that we really don't know anything about because of the truth embargo and this highly compartmentalized secret. Um, what's happened is we've gone through an evolutionary process, and partly because of the 18 years of hammering that Stephen Bassett has done and others have done um, in these conferences year after year, we have finally evolved to a moment where uh, with the state of the planet and what's going on in our our world economies are crashing and we're having the Fukushima burn down, go through the oceans and all the problems that we have out there. The earth, the world has changed since then and they have finally decided that it's time for a disclosure. And so does President Obama have the clearance? Yes, he does. Why? Because he's the commander in chief and because of that, He's in charge of these decisions that were made between the executive branch and the Pentagon. And these contracts are being broken, and this disclosure is being negotiated right now. And so uh, it's because uh, the world has changed, and they're ready now to uh, move on, let the earth move forward. Even those uh, members of the cabal who are in possession of this technology uh, and who, according to people like Richard Dolan, constitute almost a separate civilization because of the, you know, what they have at their disposal. Do you think they're going to be willing to relinquish their stranglehold on this technology without a fight? Absolutely. In 2009, we knew that we were ready for a formal disclosure. It was all set up. And what happened was uh, we initiated TARP in October of 2008. November of 2008, we, we elected in President Barack Obama. The GOP and a lot of the powers that be took all the money out of Washington, D.C., gave it to their pals at the bank, the CEOs of the banks gave themselves bonuses. What happened was there was a worldwide economic meltdown in 2009, and that's what stopped the disclosure back then. And between 2009 and 2015, they've been talking about this and negotiating this. We just saw in the papers the Rockefellers pulling their money out of oil and moving it into uh New, new energy technologies, and we're seeing more and more articles in the paper about this, they have come to the conclusion that it's time to move on. And um, there are things in place that te are telling them, you don't have a choice anymore. We're going to have a disclosure now. And we're going to change over. So they might lose a little bit of money, but they're not going to lose a lot of money. They have more money than they could ever use. Why couldn't they, uh, Elizabeth, and when I say they, um, I'll just use that for shorthand, uh, why couldn't they uh, simply reveal uh, some new energy device, whether it's similar to John Searle's effect generator or not, whatever it be, it is a little black box that taps into zero-point energy, whatever you want to call it, uh, without telling us 
the providence. In other words, here it is. We've developed this at Area 51 or the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. They don't need to bring in the ET issue into this, do they? I mean, why can't they just say, here it is, folks, our free energy. It's arrived. We've been working on it for 50 years. Right. Another example of this was on Friday, Bloomberg published an article saying that there is lithium-ion energy that they're switching over to. All of these suppressed energies are coming out now. And why do we have to bring extraterrestrials into this? Well, this goes back to Skunk Works and Boeing and all the major companies that are involved in the truth embargo because, like Richard Dolan has has pointed out, they pulled all of that technology out of the military and put it into private countries companies to protect it so they could make money off of it and when the truth comes out about all of that we're going to see how entrenched we were in reverse engineering and how this is extraterrestrial technology and there's no way to hide that part of the story all right here's uh, another big issue uh, and i've asked Stephen bassett about this and others i'd like to get your take on it uh, sure. in order for these groups uh, to come out and and uh, disclose and admit essentially that they have been lying to the public for the last 70 years would also implicate them because if this is true that means they have blood on their hands think about the astronauts that perished during the Gemini project and the Apollo project and the shuttle project uh, programs rather uh, when they were still using ridiculous rocket fuel when they had at their disposal uh, anti-gravitics and so forth. You know where I'm going with this. They have blood yes. on their hands. Would yes, you be in support of, we're coming into a break, we'll get your answer after the break. Sure. Would you be support in amnesty for these individuals? We'll find out. Amnesty. Okay, when uh, we come back. Elizabeth Trutwin stays with us here on The Conspiracy Show, along with Dwayne Hickey, our special co-host for the evening. Stay with us. And we are talking disclosure with UFO disclosure advocate Elizabeth Tretwin. Her website, cosmicascension.org, cosmicascension.org. And we've linked up to Elizabeth's website at richardserrett.com. Uh, just uh, click on her name and voila, you are there. Now, before we turn things over to uh, Dwayne Hickey, Elizabeth, once again, we want to keep hammering this. Uh, how do people sign the petition? Thank you. There is a website, DisclosurePetition.org. Go there, click on the link that will take you directly to the White House petition. Put in your first name, last name, and email address. Click on a link in your email to prove that you're human. And that's all you have to do. It's a three-minute process, and anyone from any country may sign. And, and once again... Uh, if they get the one, if you get the 100,000 signatures in the next 20 days... What will be the result? We can expect to have a reply in writing from the White House administration regarding whether or not they support a new congressional hearing on the extraterrestrial issue now that we have seven decades more information. All right. Uh, Dwayne Hickey, I know you're chomping at the bit with a question or two. It's The floor is yours, sir. Well, I know that Elizabeth was going to answer a question before the break, 
Did you want to go ahead and answer that? Oh, yes. Thank you for reminding question. me, Dwayne. I'm glad you're here. I was asking you a thank you about uh, this. Is, uh, I was waiting with bated breath. That's why I have Dwayne here, to, to uh, kick me in the pants when I need it. Good job, Dwayne. Yes, indeed. Okay, yes, the amnesty question. Would you support amnesty for those who have been responsible for keeping the lid on uh, not only the UFO ET presence, but also uh, preventing this free energy uh, and uh, back engineer technology from getting out to the public, which could have prevented, for example, the deaths of uh, astronauts in, involved in the Gemini program, Apollo, the shuttle program, etc. Absolutely. This has been an atrocity. This has been allowed to go on. It, when we look at the citizens hearing on disclosure of witnesses, we see that these many of these men came with canes, walkers, and wheelchairs. This is an aging group that was forced to keep their silence all these years. And amnesty is the only viable option that we have. There are two groups involved. One is someone who was on the job, and they were made to sign a paper, and they were told they will never tell anyone what's going on with this for the rest of their lives. Full amnesty for those guys, of course. And there's a tiny, small group, a handful of people who committed atrocities, and those ones should uh, see some accountability. Uh, so absolutely, amnesty is very important here. Time has gone on and we need to move on. Okay, so we'll have a, a truth and conciliation uh, uh, committee, I guess. Yes, absolutely. All right. Thank you, uh, Dwayne, for reminding me about that question. And now uh, your, the floor is yours. Not a problem. Elizabeth, it's the day after Obama says we're not alone. What, what does day one look like for you? And for the rest you mean of the after world, I pick myself off the floor. <laughs> uh, that's a really good question. What it's going to look like is there are many, many, many folks out there that I've talked to, very smart people who believe that the only way disclosure could come is through open contact. Very high ranking people. Well-educated people believe this, and I've been taking them aside privately and having a chat with them. So one thing that becomes possible after a formal disclosure is zero-point energy. And MT Keshi is number one on the list for that. We can tap into zero-point energy the next day. What happens in zero-point energy? Weapons don't work in zero-point energy, and we suddenly have peace on Earth. The weapons will be put down and the soldiers will fly home. They'll start flying home the next day. There will also be a rapid re-education on television that will inform folks around the clock with uh, journalists that we already have in place that are already have already prepared for this because this has been anticipated for many years now. They have already set up programs uh, that they're going to run up and explain everything that happened to us. And after that, we can expect landings to take place, and they'll be anticlimactic because we will have been told about everything and the extraterrestrial um, connection. So open contact happens after a formal disclosure. All right. How many races or civilizations, alien races, are we talking about here? Mm -hmm. Um, When we have landings not long after a formal disclosure, um, 
the extraterrestrials who look most like humans will disembark and have a chat with us. There was a publication put out by someone, and they said, I think it was something like 52 races. I didn't really pay attention to that because what I've heard are there, there are 200,000 different extraterrestrial races out there. 200,000? And we don't know anything about it, but we're going to learn very quickly. 200,000. That's what I understand. Not all of them friendly, I'm guessing. Um, I always tell this story. Imagine that I left Earth and I went to visit another planet and I landed there and I walked out and and folks saw me and they said, hello, where are you from? And I would say, I'm from Earth. And they might say to me, you must be a Nazi. And I would be shocked and I would say, I'm not a Nazi. Uh, In other words... All these stories that we've heard about Anunnaki, Sumerians, um, the Nephilim, some of it's a great deal of disinformation. And we have to remember that the malevolent extraterrestrials are a tiny, small group of a much, much larger group, and they were only here for a very short time. So uh, it's kind of like humanity. Most of us are good most of the time. I, I don't know that necessarily they would have to be evil to do harm. Uh, I would think even just morally ambivalent. Let's say, for example, someone who is uh, – I, I remember myself as a, as a young lad with a, microsc- uh, a, a magnifying glass out on our driveway uh, looking at ants. Uh, and the ants uh, couldn't communicate with me, and uh, nor could I communicate with the ant. Uh, and I would study them and occasionally, uh, you know – they would be <laughs> crushed or, uh, you know, they would be overheated with the uh, the magnifying glass simply by studying them. Uh, I would, you know, be doing great harm to them. And, and here we are now talking about a civilization uh, that has harnessed the power of the sun, uh, which they would have to do in order to travel, traverse these huge distances. Wouldn't they look at us as simply something to be studied and experimented upon. And and again, it would be the moral ambivalence that I would be worried about. Hmm. Stephen Bassett has stated that we can think of the extraterrestrials as a group similar to humanity where sometime in their past they were given a hand up in their evolution, but they have gone through evolution just like we have. And, you know... We, we see them every single day in our skies all around the world, but they've never come here to harm us. All right, listen, so I'll, I'll take another time I out here. <clears throat> the ant story because the ant story keeps us locked into programming that's no longer relevant. And it's, we, it's time to free our minds and to see our galactic brothers and sisters as wanting to help us come into a galactic citizenry. Okay, Elizabeth, I got to take a time out. I got to take a time out. I'm, I'm late. We'll be back. Thanks. Elizabeth Trutwin right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Next week on the program, uh, author John Kerner, author historian John Kerner, will talk about the CIA plot to kill Jack Kennedy and Malcolm X. And uh, it has to do with the uh, the drug trade and the, uh, the secret drug war in Laos. Uh, according to John Kerner. We are uh, joined by Elizabeth Trutwin, UFO disclosure advocate, and uh, we are talking about the uh, the latest uh, petition project. And once again, uh, let me get you to, uh, uh, to announce where people can sign that petition, Elizabeth. Thank you. 
There is a website, disclosurepetition.org. Go there. There's a direct link to the White House petition asking for a congressional hearing on the extraterrestrial issue. It will be the first hearing on that subject since 1968. We need 90,000 signatures by February 6th. I believe with the right publicity, we can get it done. Anyone may sign. All right. Um, you had mentioned Edward Snowden uh, earlier, and uh, in fact, that's, it's quite timely. I received an email yesterday, and uh, it's not the first time someone asked me. It's a darn good question, and that is why in all the Edward Snowden revelations, not one mention was made of the UFO issue. I, uh, that is a good question. What do you think? I have heard... Uh... Steve would cringe if he heard me saying this, but it's my belief that in, in 1961, NSA astronauts landed on the moon. In 1964-65, Carl Wolf went to Langley, CIA headquarters, to fix the imaging machines there, and he saw structures on the moon. In 1969, NASA astronauts landed on the moon and according to Richard Dolan who told us this story at the secret space program breakaway civilization conference in San Mateo California in June of 2014 he told the story where John Glenn said when he landed on the moon he was warned off the moon by extraterrestrials I believe that NSA astronauts were also there and I believe that that information will come out from the Pentagon, not from Edward Snowden. And I feel that Edward Snowden does have that information. And they're holding it back for a purpose, for a formal disclosure from the president, from the commander-in-chief. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, Gary McKinnon uh, also sort of tipped us off to this, these secret space programs as, as, as well. And, and uh, during his snooping around... Uh, yeah. So I guess we, we yeah we have these things have been leaked if if McKinnon is to be believed and and uh, I, I certainly see no reason not to. Uh, let me turn it over to uh, Dwayne Hickey. Hi, hi, hi there, Elizabeth. I was just wondering um, why is it important for the U.S. to disclose? What? How come another country can't disclose? Or if another country discloses, will that also bring ET landings? Sure. Um, many folks feel that, you know, Steve Bassett says tomorrow Putin or Xi Jinping could go to the Chinese people or could go to the Russian people and say, uh, you know, and give a disclosure. And if that happened, it would look very bad for President Obama. Uh, there's no reason why they couldn't do it. However, it's very important that the United States president be the one to disclose because of agreements that were made a long time ago and continued new agreements were made over the years between the president and the Pentagon and the extraterrestrials. And these are things that we don't know much about because of the truth embargo, and I don't have a lot of details. But those agreements were made between the United States president and the Pentagon, not other countries. And that's why it's so important. Also, it's where the truth embargo originated, and when we when it began, we employed our allies from World War II, because of the Cold War, to keep 
the truth embargo in place. And so it's really our responsibility to undo those agreements that are old and overdue and worn out and time to move on. Uh, what would the uh, how would you like to see uh, the next congressional hearing on the UFO issue uh, formed constructed what would it look like how would it play out this would be um, some of the same witnesses that were at the citizen hearing and some new witnesses coming before a committee in congress and allowing the con- congress people to ask questions and to allow them to testify and present the evidence that they bring forward that we have been engaging with extraterrestrials in our military, in our agencies, and um, and that they are here on Earth now. And let this be revealed to the American people, and let's broadcast it on C-SPAN, and let it go for a week, or maybe two weeks, and let people see the testimony live all around the world. Here's the big difference, too, between if this hearing takes place, this actual congressional hearing, as opposed to I, – I don't like the term mock, but uh, the citizens' hearing was with you know, former members, members of Congress. But the big difference this time, Elizabeth, as you know, well know, would be this time the witnesses would be under oath. Right. Uh, they would have a – they would be charged with a felony perjury if they lied to the Congress. And so this makes the testimony so much more compelling. Uh, I'll say. Anyone who saw any of the videotape from the citizens' hearing knows how compelling the testimony is already, besides the uh, papers that were presented and the films that were presented and all the evidence that came forward from the FAA and other agencies. It was incredible. Plus the testimony from 10 other countries where... um, they had crashed UFOs, and they did reverse um, engineering. And there was this guy from Peru who was talking about how he was trying to shoot down this giant UFO. And the uh, former members of Congress asked him, how can you tell us this story? And he said, because there were eight, we, we estimated there were 1,800 people on the ground at the airport watching me shoot at it. <laughs> wow. Years ago, when I didn't know much, I said to Stephen Bassett, Steve, where is the the evidence coming from? And he said, Bass, all the fighter jets that have guns on them also have videotapes mounted on their guns. And these guys have been ordered to shoot at them, and they have the videotape of the UFO they're shooting at as evidence. And I said, oh... Yes, won't it be interesting uh, when all that comes out after disclosure, and we'll actually get to see this firsthand, presumably. This is what we're going to bring to the congressional hearing. Oh, you're going to bring the video. You have the video. Yes. You have the video. Wow. This is why the Pentagon and the president are the only two entities in charge of a formal disclosure. And when do you expect this hearing to take place? Uh, If you get the signatures, uh, how soon could it take place? The signatures on the petition are for a written response. And we're going to uh, Stephen Bassett, who's a lobbyist in Washington, D.C., registered since 1996, the only one in the country registered for the extraterrestrial issue, is already visiting members of Congress, senators and 
and um, House of Representatives asking them to make, you know, to put us on the schedule for a congressional hearing. We've had congressional hearings on Iran-Contra. We've had um, tobacco health hearings, Bergdahl prisoner swap hearings. It doesn't take long to schedule a hearing. It just takes a few days, really. They've thrown out a new hearing in a few days after an issue comes up. So the committee chairs on these seven committees that are appropriate for this hearing are the ones who decide, and they put it on the schedule. So he's already visiting, asking for these hearings. We've gone into phase two of the CHI, which is tweeting 180 members of Congress that are on one or more of these appropriate committees. So this 850,000 tweets we've sent out, now we're just trying targeting them to 180 people. And we're going to keep asking, and we want mainstream media to get involved and report on this. And so uh, Stephen Bassett has said, we could have your hearings in February of 2015. We could have a formal disclosure by March of 2015. It's not uh, out of the realm of reason. You know what would certainly push things along nicely? We were talking about the media, and that is for someone in the White House press corps uh, to to have the courage to actually, you know, raise their hand and ask a question. Uh, for example, um, you know, what about the um, the Rockefeller Initiative? I mean, that would have been convenient to, had they asked Hillary Clinton that question when she was, uh, you know, still... Well, she, they may still have that opportunity if she runs in 2016. It just takes one question... Uh, from a press, uh, a White House press a core member, to really turn things around, wouldn't you agree? I would agree. I I don't anticipate that happening anytime soon. The White House press corps is beholden to their jobs. It's a golden handcuff. The concept that they would do that, they would be they'd be fired that day. The people I'm looking forward to uh, work at places like the Intercept. The first look, uh, Glenn Grenwald, uh, Matt Talibi, um, Jeremy Scahill, these guys out on the front lines doing investigative reporting and really ballsy reporting. Those are the ones that need to ask the questions. Those investigative reporters will get this out there to the mainstream, to the general populace, and have people stop you know, at the grocery store and start to think about these things. What happens, Elizabeth, if you don't get the 100,000 signatures. What next? Still, Steve can use the petition as he goes out to say, hey, I got 40,000 or I got 60,000 signatures, and it's just grabbing the attention of mainstream media, which is the ultimate goal right now. Well, listen, we wish you all the best. I appreciate your time, Elizabeth. Uh, one more time, give us the uh, the details on how to sign this all-important petition. Yes, thank you. We are running the Congressional Hearings Initiative from three different websites. FactsOnWashington.org tells you how to tweet, email, and Facebook post your representatives. Uh, folks from every country can help us with the Twitter campaign. We have disclosure.media is a website with all the instructions in there. It's translated into 15 different languages. Please uh, check that out. If you're on Facebook, please join the public group, The Disclosure Lobby. We have 9,090 members today, and all we discuss is the Congressional Hearings Initiative. 
In order to sign the petition, please go to disclosurepetition.org and click on the link and add your name. All right, Elizabeth, please convey my uh, best wishes to your colleague, Stephen Bassett, and uh, thanks for spending some time with us tonight on The Conspiracy Show. I'm a huge fan, Richard. Thank you so much for having me, and thanks, Dwayne, for suggesting, and have a good night, you guys. All right, good night. Good night. Elizabeth Trotwin. Well, there you go, Dwayne. Your what, thoughts. What a show. What, um, I, I just want to thank Elizabeth for coming on and, and um, being such a great guest. She was a terrific guest, and uh, you hit a home run. You hit it out of the park. Albert, your job is not in jeopardy, not to worry, <laughs> but uh, you did a terrific job, uh, uh, Dwayne, and it was a delight meeting you and having you in studio, and I hope you enjoyed yourself. I did. I had a wonderful time. Thank you so much. All right. Just a reminder, next week on the program, uh, John Kerner uh, will be with us uh, discussing the CIA's plot to kill Kennedy and Malcolm X. We'll find out uh, what their motivation was. And uh, also, Marty Leeds will be here to talk about numerology. Can't wait for that one. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that what, what won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light, what I say in a whisper. Proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.